signals for the Baltimore Colts. Unitas gives to Amici. The Colts are the world champions. Amici scores. That's amazing. Sensational. Dramatic. Heart-rending. Exciting. Thrilling finish in the history of college football. California has won the game. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. This is Phil Steele. This is Mike Burnham. This is Wester. This is Mike Ashley. Woo, mercy. This is handsome Jimmy Vanta, Boogie Woogie Man. Hey, guys. I'm ESPN's Marty Smith, and you're listening to Big Dog Sports Talk with Rick Watson. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to rock? The Doghouse with Rick Watson and Big Dog Sports Talk on the WRAD Talk Network, 101.7, 103.5, and 1460. Simulcasting on 710 WFNR. Streaming online at WRADradio.com and the tune-in app for your phone. Join the conversation now on the Long and Foster Baker Team Hotline, 540-639-4900. Now your host, Rick Watson. Rick Watson. Welcome you into the Tuesday edition of the program. Hope you're doing okay, wherever you might be. Call us up on the Baker Team Hotline, 639-4900. As always, text line at 744-2990. Rick at New River Radio. Mike Burnup joins us at 7.05, scheduled in to be joined by Jermaine Farrell and David Smith, our NFL correspondent. We'll be in studio, a lot to cover. Get our Super Bowl picks. Playing my Sharia Moore for Georgia Amor. Who went off last night? We'll have the details. Virginia Tech women's basketball gets a huge win. Huge because they had not won at NC State. 73 61. And that was really a, uh, a high level basketball game last night. Only the third ever win in 29 starts against NC State. But uh, Georgia Amor had a career-high 27 points, and she was absolutely making it rain from behind the three-point line. Just a fun game to watch. Inside-out game was going with the Liz inside, and then you had Georgia outside, and Tech um, did a terrific job last night. Um, Liz Kitley, by the way, had 25 points, 
14 rebounds in that basketball game. They were terrific. Absolutely terrific. So, big win for Kenny Brooks. Very happy for him. Tech shot nearly 50% from the field. And NC State's a team that's had to replace four starters from last year's ACC championship team, but they've now lost two in a row. Uh, Wes Moore, their head coach, said it was a very frustrating night. They've got a veteran team, and they're like we were a year ago. Tech dominated the glass 42-24. They were just better. They were just better. And uh, this team, as we told you, kind of felt like they were going to go on a run, and they are in the midst of doing that. They can hurt you in so many ways. And we'll keep an eye on what they do. Don't forget tomorrow, Louise Baker will be in studio. And we're going to be giving away some more women's basketball tickets for their final couple of home games. And uh, you want to watch this team and send them off through the regular season as they get ready for the ACC tournament. And I think they're going to have a strong run there. And they might be going a while in the NCAAs, right? We shall see. But a big, big win. Um, nice stuff all the way around. So that's, that's going on with the Tech women. Tech, I think, just watching them play, they understand how good they are, but at the same time they understand that it all has to be taken, you know, a game-by-game scenario. So that's a tribute to Kenny Brooks and the fact they have a veteran team. ACC men's action last night. You know, I'm just going to say this right now. Duke is not very good. We've been telling you that, that the aura around that program is different. Miami absolutely blitzed them last night. This is why, don't just chalk up an L when Virginia Tech heads down to Durham here in a couple weeks. 81-59. Miami might be the best team in the ACC. They might just be that. Looking at it right now. Right? I mean, Virginia Tech beats Virginia. They didn't look great. Tech able to do what they wanted to do offensively against that pack line. And then Miami just absolutely throttled Duke. Duke didn't get 60 points last night. And this is them coming off that win against North Carolina. Makes it even more embarrassing that ESPN highlighted the Duke-Carolina game like they always do, as if it was a top-five battle. I don't think Duke's very good. I just, I just don't. I think they have a couple nice players, but overall, I don't think Duke is a threat at all in the ACC tournament or in the NCAA tournament. They'll make it just because of who they are, but uh, I really don't think they're that good. And I'm going to be interested to watch this NC State-Virginia game. Now, I won't get to watch it, watch it. I'll have to record it and try to skim through it the next morning since it's 9 o'clock, the dreaded 9 o'clock window. But you've got NC State and Virginia tonight. And, you know, that's a big game, right? NC State's number 22, Virginia. Let's see how they respond. How do they get off the deck after losing to Virginia Tech? Big, big contest, say the least. And we'll see. We shall see. Kansas also won last night over Texas, number nine over number five. Kansas have been struggling, but they were shooting well last night. Uh, 88 to 80. That was the other top 25 game. But uh, the highlight of the night here locally was the uh, Tech women coming up with an enormous win against NC State. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I think they're the best team in the ACC, one of, right? Notre Dame's up there. I just feel like 
I don't know, just watching them play. And what we've known about the Tech men for a while, it's finally starting to come out. But the Tech women show this more consistently because they've been healthy um, for the most part. That cast, those four players, I think they just seem like they're destined to have a really special season. Tech's never gotten further than the Sweet 16 on the women's side. I think that could change this year. Making some bold predictions that Kenny Brooks would be very angry at me for making. But just saying, (laughs) I think they're really, really good. Um, And if you can get Wusu back, get her playing. I mean, it only went seven deep last night. That's all all Coach Brooks needs is seven deep. All right? Only two players off the bench. Bench scoring doesn't matter for this team. And every starter played over 30 minutes, but I just don't think it matters as much with a veteran group. I don't think these ladies want to play any other way. I think that suits them. Now, you'd like to rest Liz a little bit. She went 37 minutes. But I'm telling you, I just I feel like they've got a chance to really, really kind of close this thing out here with a lot of momentum. Um the Florida State game, they've got a gauntlet coming up, right? This is the first of five straight ranked teams they play, which shows you how good the ACC is. But they've got Florida State in Castle. They've got Duke, the rematch, in Castle. And NC State, so three straight home games coming up. And then they finish at Carolina and then at Georgia Tech. So much like the men, big stretch of games. You know, Duke sitting there, two games ahead of them in the loss column, Notre Dame, Florida State, but they get to play them all, other than Notre Dame. But, I mean, they get to play Florida State. They get to play Duke. So we'll find out much more about them, but um, reason to celebrate that team is they uh, knock off NC State last night convincingly, 73-61. So we'll get your thoughts on that. And uh, if any Duke fan wants to defend the Dukies, that'd be great. I just don't see the same, and I said this before, and, and, and now I really believe it. And I didn't watch any of the Carolina game. For one, I've never bought in that um, that is more than just an ESPN creation. right? The Carolina-Duke game is big why. It's big because it's been promoted as being the biggest game. People try to say it's the biggest game in college basketball. Well, you know what? Outside of ACC country, nobody cares about that game. People in the Big Ten don't care about Duke and Carolina. People in the Pac-12 don't. Big 12 don't. They just don't. SEC, they're not looking at that. Oh, we got to watch. No, that was all – it's always been a Dick Vitale, ESPN type of deal. They've always built this thing up. And now that Krzyzewski's gone and neither team is that great, I'm – you know – I'm hoping they scale back the hype machine for the rematch down in Chapel Hill. But you watch Duke play, and I watched a little bit of that game last night, and Miami was in control from the first minute on. And Miami can score now. That backcourt, Nigel Pack, whoo. And you got the big guy, Omer, down low. He can score. I mean, that's a good basketball team. 
Let's go to the uh, Baker team hotline. Hey, good morning. Who's this? Hey, big dog. This is Blacksburg John. Hey, John. How are you? I uh, just woke up, and I thought, well, I'm going to try to see if I can get him on my radio. There you go. Where I live, you know, down in a little holler, I don't get really great reception. Right. <laughs> I heard you a little bit, then I reached up and picked the antenna, and it come clear. I said, well, I can't sit here and hold this antenna. So I shoved it up the barrel of my thirty out 6 and picked it up good. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you gotta emphasize there, boys. That's it. Hey, I watched that game last night. That, that those girls, they played great. But as good as they are, it's time for them to step up and take control of this thing. Um, I didn't see anything other than than the Tech game last night. But uh, they played awesome. They weren't specifically. I didn't think looking for Keatley. And that opened her up. Well, they were trying to get her isolated uh, early in the game. They post her up. She has that little jump shot. And she yeah. and she has such a height advantage, she can shoot over the defense. And she's such a good passer out of the post up, too. So they run. They're an inside-out team, right? Every, I mean, they're not just going to come down and think, okay, we're going to shoot threes. But uh, she did a great job, too, of anticipating the misses. She got a lot of offensive rebounds and some buckets that way, too. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it didn't act like they were forcing it to her. You know, they just took no, a, no. A time, you know, of, of trying to get it to her and worked it around. I just thought they played great. Yeah, they did. They were really, really good last night. Absolutely. Uh, uh, I didn't hear what Rafford did over the weekend. Hey, the winning streak is nine. Oh, well, that's great. Winning streak that's is great. nine. Uh, you keep it up. We try. And, uh, We're trying. We'll be on uh, national TV Thursday, so you can check us out there against Gardner Webb. Oh, okay. All right. We'll do. All right, man. Thanks, right. John. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Bye bye. It's pretty cool. He used his thirty uh, six as an antenna holder. That's the first I've heard of that. That I, I feel pretty honored about that. I think the show's gone to a new level now. I mean. When you're using artillery to help get the show, I'm all about that. <laughs> Would have been more effective than our defense system that allowed a, a spy balloon to kind of fly over the country undetected for a while, and then we just kind of said, nah, it's fine. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Don't get me started on that. But anyway, 21 minutes past the hour here on this, uh, what is today? It's Tuesday. Hope you're doing okay wherever you might be. Kind of hard to stay optimistic about this country right now. We'd love to hear from you. Thank God we have sports. Stay with us. More coming up. He won't sit, but oh boy, does he speak. More Big Dog Sports Talk next on WRAD.
here. Robert Tepper's no easy way out. You're always reminded of the immense lack of loyalty and support that Rocky's wife, Adrian, showed him. When he needed the most. You can't win. Yo, 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 Adrian, uh, Adrian, I mean, come on, Adrian, maybe I can't win, but it'd be nice if you supported me a little bit, you know, I mean, but you can't win, I mean, how many times had the guy just defied the odds on a daily basis, right? Big old bruiser, bouncer, leg breaker from Philadelphia, turned him into a title contender, right? Earned the fight, common man versus the world heavyweight champion, Apollo Creed, takes him the distance, puts him down on the first combo shot that he throws at him only goal was to not not get knocked down to not go down to go the distance to go the distance and he did Then he goes out and reinvents himself, wins the second fight. Then realizes that, you know, he lost his trainer, wasn't the kind of fighter he needed to be to knock off Clubber Lang. So what does he do? He accepts the friendship and training of Apollo Creed, once his bitter rival. Completely changes the way he fights in his body. Goes out and wins the rematch with Clubber. After dealing with the emotion of losing Mick. And then he takes on the big Russian. Drago had just killed Apollo. And leading into that fight, all he gets from Adrian who he rescued out of the pet store, if you remember, (laughs) is, you can't win. You've only given me everything I have in my life. I'm wealthy beyond my imagination. You've taken in my ridiculous, just horrible brother, Paulie. But I'm not going to support you. (laughs) Sorry. Tell me I'm wrong. That's exactly the message she's sending. I hope that uh, those of you that have your spouse get better support than what Adrian showed Rocky in Rocky IV. That prompted him to go out and do the drive in which they played Robert Tepper's No Easy Way Out. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back. we got a lot going on today with uh, Mike Burnup, Jermaine Farrell, and then uh, David Smith, the Radford University Hall of Famer, where he's going to be in studio. We're going to talk all things NFL. All that's coming up 
Georgia Amor making it. She's still knocking down three. She was knocking down threes on the bus. Another double-double for Liz Kitley. Big win last night for Tech on the ladies' side. We'll be back. Stay with us. top of the hour on this Tuesday. Hope you're doing well, wherever you might be. 639-4900. Text lines open for you at 744-2990. Hope everybody is uh, doing okay, wherever you might be. Going to be a nice day today. You know, we told you we had Jim from Smithfield say he did not see his shadow. And we told you it was going to be an early arrival of spring I'm not saying spring is upon us yet, but here's your 10-day outlook for high temperatures, right? 59 today, 60 and 60 back-to-back, 55 on Friday. Now, we do get down into the mid-40s on Saturday and Sunday. Then next week, 55, 54, 55, and 60. Again, who's right? Who's wrong? We're right. And the little groundhog is wrong. It's science. Absolutely. And we will boast about it. We will. Make plans to come to Deadman Thursday. We want to get it full. It's going to be a nationally televised game. Radford taking on Gardner-Webb. Gardner-Webb's won five in a row. Radford's won nine in a row. Gardner-Webb's actually won the last four times they've been in the Deadman Center. But we'd like to have a uh, big, big crowd there. It's a big weekend for Radford. As positioning for the tournament continues. And with the game being moved from Wednesday to Thursday, a very short travel turnaround time as we'll be leaving fairly early on Friday to head to Charleston, South Carolina for the Charleston Southern game, which is Saturday. So um, not not a lot of time to get ready. After that, but one game before that against Tim Kraft's team, who just won his 100th Big South game as a head coach. Um, quite simply, all the years I've been doing the Big South, 23 years now, it's, uh, he is one of the top five coaches that's ever come through the league from an opponent. I mean, he's that good. I mean, it's going to be a good game. And that's the way this league is basically every night. I mean, it doesn't really matter who is playing. I mean, Asheville had won nine in a row. They went to upstate Saturday and got beat. That's a game Radford had to battle to win. Radford had to battle to win Saturday against Winthrop. Battling to win is a a good trait. It's a good personality trait for a basketball team, especially when the games start to feel a little more intense throughout this month before we get into tournament time. 
And I'll say this, the pressure is, is immense in the Power Five leagues, right? It is very immense, but most of the time, your top teams in those leagues aren't playing for anything other than, you know, maybe some pride. Maybe they care enough about to win the tournament and seeding and so forth in the NCAA. The reason it's a lot more intense in mid-major leagues like Radford in the Big South is that it's a one-bid league. I mean, everything comes down to winning three games in March. And you can't really lose sight of that. I mean, for instance, in the ACC, and I agree, Wayne, I talked about that in the first segment. I think Miami's the best team in the ACC right now. I really do, especially offensively. They can light it up. Um, Miami and Virginia, even though they're not very good, to be honest, Duke and Carolina, they'll probably all get in easily. I think Virginia Tech's going to play their way back in. NC State, whomever, you know, you go in the tournament, you lose. Okay, all right, well, it's disappointing. Well, let's, let's see what happens. Like Carolina, Tech, you know, Tech wins those games last year in the ACC tournament. They get eliminated in the first round, you know. Carolina goes on a big run. I mean, you can regroup. You have time to regroup. Losing the conference tournament's not the end for all. But, boy, in our league, and I think about the year last year, you know, um, Longwood won 26 games, right? And if Longwood, who ended up winning the tournament, so it's a moot point, but if Longwood had lost anywhere along the way, they don't go to the NCAA tournament even with 25 wins. They would have gotten the NIT berth. There's been a new rule. It's been implemented for about a decade now where your conference regular season champion gets the automatic NIT bid if they don't win their conference tournament. So that would have been their reward for winning 25 games if they would have lost in the Big South. And it's important to to know and it's important to remember. And that's why every tournament, I have pretty much been able to just start it off with a clean slate. Like, the Highlanders are on this huge winning streak. If the winning streak continues, and let's say by some rare chance, and I think it's a, you know, it's just hard to think that you could ever run the table throughout February. But if you do and go into the tournament and you're the number one seed, just throw it out the window. Because along the way, all those games that you would have played and say in theory you would have won were going to be close. And then you're on a neutral floor. And you're not going to have that home crowd intensity. And I've taken a 180 on my belief about these tournaments. I used to not like that smaller conference tournaments were played championship Sunday at a home site. Because clearly, the home court advantage is huge. But now that I look back and I think back to Radford when they hosted Liberty, 
and that amazing, absolutely amazing atmosphere when Carlique hit the shot. And when, and when we've been other places, you're just not going to have the fan support traveling down to Charlotte from all these different places unless it's the championship game on Sunday. You're going to have some folks show up Friday, Saturday, depending on when you play, but you just don't grab that same environment. So I used to not like it, but then again, I'm thinking, all right, now I'm being selfish. From a Radford perspective, the Highlanders are playing well. And the streak could end any night. Just know that, that I'm not saying this thinking it's going to happen. But let's say they end up you know, winning out or winning enough games or the number one seed. How much... I mean, how cool would it be to know that you would be hosting as long as you want? And you had three opportunities, if you kept winning, to get that gym packed with local folks because you would. I know that, like you did before, to support the team. Now you're going to go down to Bojangles, and even though you might be a huge Radford supporter, let's say they play that first Friday. Let's say it's a nooner or a 2 o'clock game. How many people can logically say, well, I'm going to get off work on Friday and make that drive, right? It's just not the same. Even though it's not a long drive, Charlotte's an easy trip. So now I think I've gone 180, right? Yeah, I think that's what it shows a little bit of maturity when you believe something and then you realize, well, maybe that wasn't right, right? (laughs) Regardless of what it is. And regard, it, it wouldn't even have to be Radford. I would rather see, you know, if the regular season's supposed to mean something, let's, uh, let's let the home team keep playing as long as they win, the number one seed. Let them keep playing at home. Let's get the crowd there. Let's try to reward that team. I get it now. I think I'm, I've come full circle. And then, you know what? It's not ideal. Neutral site tournaments aren't ideal for the Power Fives either. You still don't get nearly the kind of crowds. Now, traditionally, the ACC tournament, especially in Greensboro, has been well attended because you're right there on Tobacco Road, and usually it's one or two of those teams, maybe three of them, that are in the quarters and semifinals playing well, right? And even if it's Virginia Tech, you're going to be able to make that trip if it's in Greensboro or somewhere down there, Charlotte, wherever it might be. But, yeah, I think now I understand, and I think I would rather see that. And you know what? It doesn't always guarantee that team's going to win. Because especially in the Big South, I mean, road teams that play pretty well because the teams are so evenly matched. And I think that's something that they can feed off of. I mean, we went to a gym last Wednesday down at uh, – Presbyterian, and there was no atmosphere at all. It was maybe, to this day, the worst college basketball atmosphere I've ever called a game. I was just trying to think about it. And that's a place that usually it's small. I'm not, I'm not even talking about the size of the gym because it's the same. It's the same, same uh, place they've played, the Templeton Center. So it's not that. But the lighting was really dim. There were a lot of lights out. And there was very little community or student support. The only noise that was there was there were members of the football team and the baseball team sitting kind of directly behind me a little bit, and then they would talk to you during the break, and you just kept 
But there was no noise in that game. So Radford had to create its own energy, which it didn't do really for a long time until about the final 10 minutes. And then they kicked it in. But you want to go to a charged-up environment to play. It means a lot, and it means so much for the home team. Bill Roth talked about this last week. Playing these games in a hostile environment is something you can feed off of. That's why, not not only because Tech hasn't been very good talent-wise, um, and they've lost quite a few home games, but I think Lane Stadium is a perfect example of a great before-game environment with Sandman and all the jumping and everything. But then once you get into the game... Even though the fans are terrific, and this isn't criticism at all. I hope people don't try to say, oh, he's criticizing the crowd. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's hard to replicate that opening game energy once the game gets started. And if a visiting team goes out and scores an opening drive touchdown or if they have early success, then all of a sudden that crowd is basically out of the game and they won't discover that same level that they had. Once you get into the game, I'm saying this, Lane Stadium is not a difficult place to play once you get into the game. It's the hype and the environment beforehand that's so wonderful. Some teams handle that pretty well and feed off of it. Some do not. It's amazing that when you have a really good team, how much tougher that makes it to play in their house. Right? Tech used to be virtually unbeatable in any primetime game at Lane Stadium because guess what? They had good players and good teams. But I believe that in college basketball, especially at the Radford level, right, you feed off of that to a certain degree. Now, sometimes it can be loud and intimidating. I watched the opening 10 minutes of the Texas-Kansas game last night, and Texas was clearly bothered by the noise. I mean, that place was rattling. It really was. Rattling. Hokey Bob chimes in, yeah, Castle was incredible this past Saturday. Yeah, for the Virginia game, right, for a nooner. Everybody's talking about how loud that place was. And obviously a home court advantage when a team feeds off of it as well. Absolutely. But in our league, I would like to see it go back, I think, to reward, even if it's not Radford, whomever it might be, Winthrop or Longwood, Asheville, whoever it might be. If you're the number one seed and you're winning and you're there on Championship Sunday, you should host. That way you're gonna, it's going to look great on TV. You're going to have a lot of noise. And last year, Longwood had one of the best seasons any team's had in the Big South in a long time with 26 wins. And then you're watching on Championship Sunday, and it's just kind of, eh. <laughs> it's just, eh. Farmville to Charlotte, that's a long way to drive. And I understand what the league's trying to do. I understand They listen to the coaches, maybe to a fault, to be honest. Because coaches always are going to have their own self-interest and not looking at the betterment of the entire league. And you 
think there has to be a give and take. Like, for instance, the women's basketball coaches wanted an extra day in the Big South, so that's why they're playing the same night as the men. In retrospect, it's been a huge mistake. It never made much sense to me, and I think now when you realize that the women's game, like, for instance, Radford, it won't matter this week for Radford because their game gets moved from Wednesday to Thursday because of national TV, but if this were a traditional game, and Radford was playing on Wednesday at home against Gardner-Webb. The women are playing on the road at Gardner-Webb. So all of a sudden you split the ESPN Plus audience, your radio audience, and your fan base to keep up with the game. You're taking a night away from the women's basketball programs. But yet the majority of the coaches in the Big South voted for this. And I think it's a huge mistake. I really do. But in any event, I do appreciate leagues like the Big South. They're trying to experiment. They try to do different things to make things more appealing and to to get the league out there. But um, in a lot of ways, I think they've also overthought certain things. All right, we're wrapping up hour one. We got a big hour two and third hour coming up. We'll remind you of that straight ahead. Stay with us. You're on a Tuesday. Dog Sports Talk is taking a timeout. Now hold, wait a minute, timeout. You want to say that one more time without the sarcasm? BTSD will return in a moment on WRAD. Second hour. David Smith, the Radford University Hall of Famer, going to be in studio in hour three. Come see us on Thursday at the Deadman Center. Need a big crowd there. With the national TV cameras. Come see us. And support these young men. Winners of nine in a row. By the way, in case you missed it. Quan Smith was named the Big South Conference Player of the Week. He averaged 23 points a game last week, and uh, Quan is the Big South Conference Player of the Week, deservedly so. Coming off a career-high 24 points on Saturday's win against Winthrop. Boy, that was a battle on Saturday. Two longtime rivals in the Big South, and the Highlanders able to get it done late, coming away with a three-point win. And they enter this week tied for first in the Big South. But more importantly, just trying to get better every day. As Darius Nichols is so good on the post game to come over and just say, yeah, it's soon's done, man. We're moving on. Just try to have an off day on Sunday. We'll get better on Monday. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's it. You're always just trying to get better. 
put it by you, go forward. Just like after a loss, all right, it's a loss. Let's get back at it tomorrow and get better. And I, that message is um, true for every team. It's what Mike Young's basically been saying, too, about his Hokies, right? Once we get full speed, we're going to be fine, and every day we just try to get a little bit better, win or lose. That's what you have to do, as the Tech women did last night. That team's really good, by the way. Right now, especially, playing really well. All right, we're coming back. Hour 2 scheduled to be joined by the Hokie Hall of Famer, Mike Burnham, when we come back. Stay with us. Stay with us.